today on Laura Lynn and Friends. And so the misnomer here is that these individuals are, are, are facing employment challenges because they're anti-vaxxers. They're not anti-vaxxers and they're certainly not anti-science. What they're saying is that the product is not effective for what you're prescribing it to be. And as a result, it's not reasonable or proportional for you to put me off work and destroy my livelihood and, and my economic future. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Last Days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler-Thompson, and I'm very, very glad to be with you today. Um, so much is happening. We've got the courts ruling in all kinds of different directions. We have people that are willing to stand um, and defend our Constitution, our country. They're willing at great peril and personal sacrifice to actually do something that matters in this country. And then, unfortunately, we've got those that are just complete compromisers. They're blind. They're sheep. And they're unwilling to see what is going on. And as you know, my father passed away um, about a year ago. And every day on this broadcast, I take the good book that he loved so much. This is my dad's Bible. And from stem to stern, he has marked every page. I usually like to just open it and kind of see where it falls to. And today it fell to Ezekiel 22. And I like to read a verse that my father underlined that he thought was important. And this one is very significant. So in Ezekiel 22 verse 30, it says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Wow. So in the days of Ezekiel, this prophet, the same thing was happening, it appears, that there were those that were not standing up for the land, not willing to put themselves at personal harm or risk to do the right thing. And even God says he searched for a man who would stand in the gap and he found none. So I pray that it's a different day and that Canada, and I think we will see that there are many who are standing. It's a very good sign. Um, that part where God says, so that I would not destroy it. God's judgment. You know, it's a very interesting thing, isn't it? You know what I love about Canada? We get to be any religion we want in Canada. That's what makes it such an incredible place. You get to uh, embrace the God that, that you want to. Personally, for me, that's Jesus. For others, it might be someone else. I hope that we land on the truth because there is certainly truth. So I hope we find it. And I also hope that I'm one of those people, one of those men or women who will stand in the gap for the nation. Well, we have a very important guest, and I want to get right to him today. Um, Omar Sheik, Sheik, uh, sorry, I hope I said that right, um, is a lawyer that is a public servant fighting, um, public servants fighting COVID vaccine mandate go up against the unions. And Mr. Sheik is basically taking on um, quite a number, actually, a number of suits that are happening in our country. And I'm very grateful for that because as some of you know who may have been trying to find a lawyer, it's not often 
possible or very easy to find somebody that's willing to speak out. Uh, Mr. Sheikh, thank you very much for being here. I uh, am very grateful for that. I wanted to get your comments um, off the top about some of the significant rulings that are coming down from different courts in the land. For instance, uh, we know that the Honorable Brian Peckford has been somewhat very unhappy, as is Maxime Bernier, that uh, they have not, the courts have not um, rendered a decision in their favor. Have you been following that a little? I have, and, and thank you very much for having me, Laura Lynn. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show, and, and that was certainly a, a beautiful opening that you did. Um, I've been following all of the, the mandate cases. I think the, the Honorable uh, Brian Peckford and, and Mr. Bernier have brought uh, challenges to the, the travel mandates that were taking place in Canada. Unfortunately, uh, the courts have ruled that those challenges at this point are moot. Uh, and that simply means that the government's rescinded the order and so the judge or the court doesn't feel that there's sufficient judicial economy or, or value in proceeding with a case where where the outcome may be moot regardless because the order has been rescinded. I think it's it's unfortunate that those cases were, were critical in, in getting and obtaining evidence as to what the government knew and when they knew those things, especially with respect to mandates and COVID measures that they were putting in. Um, and so I'm hopeful that other processes are still ongoing and certainly ours is ongoing that and hopefully we can uncover some of that information. Absolutely. You know, it's been a little bit confusing uh, for us. Uh, we are not lawyers and we don't necessarily understand how the courts operate. We all try to get, you know, some information, uh, try to understand what's happening. But we see, for instance, at one point uh, during the truckers convoy, there was a judge who actually did render that it was a constitutional process at some point. Then we have a prime minister who invoked an emergencies, you know, and of course they're having the, the hearing pertaining to that right now. And uh, we'll later show that, uh, you know, Jagmeet Singh is still gonna stand with the prime minister no matter what, whether he was right or wrong, uh, they've got their alliance going on. But the courts seem to come up with different decisions. Many of the tickets uh, that have been given out to say people in um, in Saskatchewan have been rendered uh, they, they've, they've been cancelled and people have gotten off from tickets that they got for gathering outdoors or and whatnot. I have a couple of tickets and my judge says he's having too much fun to cancel them. Um, so uh, he, it, it is uh, an ongoing issue where it just seems that it's all over the place. Um, another judge has also ruled um, that the Constitution cannot uh, enter it. This is not, there is no constitutional challenge with respect to some of these tickets and things that have been issued. So as a lawyer, before we get to the cases you're covering, do you ever find it yourself that it's kind of interesting that people you know, the judges can rule any which way and you never quite know what you're going to get with the interpretation of the law. Yeah, well, well, I think that's, you know, that, that's the intricacy of our, our legal process. I mean, we've got decisions that are varying across this country on different topics, right? Every case has its own, or we like to say is its own fact-specific driven case. And so a decision might be different based on other. Uh, precedents are important because they help us determine where the courts are going to likely go in those cases. What's been done in the past often predicts what's going to be done in the future. 
but they're varying, as you've said. And so we've had we've had a number of cases, of course, where uh, tickets have been uh, or tickets in relation to the Quarantine Act or in relation to Arrive Can have been completely canceled. We have others where couples have gone in together. It's been a husband and a wife. The husband's ticket is canceled. The wife is fully prosecuted all the way up to the $5,000, $6,000 fine. And yet both came in at the exact same time. Um, th there will be varying decisions around the country. We know that. We have, we have been seeing a number of decisions, both in the employment area, in the union areas that are, are coming down in, in, in different directions across this country. I think that ultimately uh, a lot of these issues will get to the Court of Appeal and, and, and perhaps even the Supreme Court of Canada to give us a good decision on what those fundamental rights are in this country that we, we say we enjoy. Well, we found out about you sort of from the Times Colonist, um, where uh, the public servants are, the public service workers um, are arguing that the unions have failed to protect them. And that seems to um, have, have definitely happened. The unions seem to side wholeheartedly um, in, in many places against the workers and any personal rights. Yeah, well, well, I think one of the things with that Times columnist article was it was a very broad look at all of the unions. I think that there, there are varying degrees of representation that's occurred here. So initially, uh, we had a number of litigants whose union had done absolutely nothing. They had tried to get religious exemptions. They had tried to work with their unions on grievances. They had tried to look at medical issues and didn't receive any assistance. We have other unions though that have taken forward cases, they have taken forward arbitrations, um, and, and some of them have even been successful. And, and so I guess it, it depends all on, on which union at which time. Ultimately though, Laurelyn, when you look at the employment context here, what we're dealing with is a really unique situation. You've got a, a vaccination mandate that's come in that, that says based on two doses of an approved vaccination, you're good to go. Now, ideally, when you talk about vaccination, it prevents transmission, it prevents illness. That's the whole point of, of getting a vaccine. When you're looking at the product that's being delivered, it doesn't prevent transmission, and certainly does not prevent you from getting COVID-19. And so the misnomer here is that these individuals are, are, are facing employment challenges because they're anti-vaxxers. They're not anti-vaxxers and they're certainly not anti-science. What they're saying is that the product is not effective for what you're prescribing it to be. And as a result, it's not reasonable or proportional for you to put me off work and destroy my livelihood and, and my economic future, right? Ultimately, if we were talking about, let's say polio or, or, or an established vaccine from, from the 50s and 60s that's been doing what it's supposed to do, those are discussions that, that haven't exploded in Canada over the last number of years because it's been fairly homogenous. If it's something is working, people are generally able to take it. When you, when you look at this response, what you're saying to people is because you didn't get two doses of a product that does not actually work for what we advertise it to work for, you're going to be terminated from your employment. We say that that's not proportional. We say it's not reasonable. And we say it's a violation of people's charter rights. Ultimately, under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, people have a freedom, the, the freedom of conscience, the freedom of life, liberty, and security of persons, and freedom to be treated equally under the law. 
Um, and, and what we're seeing here is, is anything but that, in my opinion, and, and certainly the, the cases that we're, we're taking forward attempt to show that and attempt to get some decisions on whether or not it is, it is constitutional for this level of, of economic coercion and ultimately bankruptcies that are taking place in exchange for people who didn't get the vaccine. Yes, and one of the things that we're finding out now, the data is showing, and even a Pfizer representative recently, it's just gone viral, where she admits that they did absolutely no testing to understand if you were able to spread the virus after being vaccinated. And it now all comes out that, you know, we had uh, Joe Biden, President Biden in the States basically telling everyone, if you get these vaccines, you can't give it to anybody. We've had uh, similar comments from the Prime Minister, and none of that now is true. We know that COVID has been spread from vaccinated person to vaccinated person, and that's all fact now. Yeah, and, and it used to be the tinfoil conspiracy hat, right, where, where you would go out and say, oh, this doesn't prevent transmission. And and again, you were an anti-vaxxer, and this was a very successful campaign that's been launched by somebody. I'm not, I'm not going to name the, the parties on this call, but, but, but take a look at this campaign to take a, a, a number of Canadians, thousands and hundreds of thousands of Canadians who, who otherwise have abided by the law or tax-paying honorable people, um, and demonize them into a class of, of the great unwashed and the great unvaccinated, the anti-science, the white supremacists, or whatever other names that, that you want to call them in the time of the day. Um, that is a, a, a success story in and of itself in terms of the orchestration of that and how we've been able to divide our country based on that. This is an artificial divide that did not exist. Any, any strong democracy has room for discourse. It has room for varying degrees of opinions and it has room to, for, for each other to understand and adjust based on those opinions. What, what we saw here was absolutism. It was absolutely these people are bad um, and, and they, they don't deserve health care at times. They don't deserve employment. Their, their families should be bankrupt. Um, and these people all that have gotten two shots, which by the way, had zero effective difference between those who didn't get the two shots as of today and those who did. Um, are somehow uh, the good people and, and, and worthy and, and certainly should proceed. So I think that, that's been the biggest story that, that I've been looking at when I look at you know, how we've come to divide our country in a way that it was never uh, so in the past. And so this is really trickling down literally from our prime minister saying, you know, if you're not vaccinated, don't think that you can sit on a plane or a train or go to a restaurant here in British Columbia, um, as in most of, of Canada, we were not able to go to a restaurant if we were unvaccinated. I mean, I just spent hours looking in the window at the steak and potatoes. I'm just kidding. And, you know, and thinking, how, how am I wiped out from this? And it, it was so, um, it was so rude in, in the simplest sense of the word, but it was also demeaning to us as people who had chosen, who had done a lot of homework. And in fact, I really believe that, that the, the evidence, the data and the science are beginning to bear out that we've made a very good choice. 
And when the, you know, we're finding that uh, immune systems are now being compromised, this is the latest data for, out of Israel. And when you read uh, Dr. Paul Alexander's Substack, Dr. Peter McCullough, um, great doctors, well-published, some of the finest in the world now saying that there's all kinds of things that are bearing out after we're beginning to see, you know, it realized. We also have people like Danielle Smith in Alberta, who is literally stating that the way that the unvaccinated were treated was wrong and has has offered an apology. And I hear that perhaps um, uh, Scott Moe in Saskatchewan might be following suit on that. And so now you're representing people, I guess, where a union completely, and do you do we wonder if there were other reasons that they took such a strong stand? I thought, Omar, that it was um, my body, my choice. I mean, isn't mm -hmm. that what we're told? Well, that's supposed to be the the line that that everyone respects around my body, my choice. But but it it, it certainly seems to be politicized these days and contextual. Look, Laurelyn, when we talk about the restaurant situation or we talk about you know things that were transitory I, I like to categorize it into two different groups of actions okay so initially you've got an elected government you've got a leadership and you've got this black swan event that takes place that no one um, presumably has anticipated here you know you can understand that there are transitory decisions that will be made that some will be proven right and some may be proven wrong but as as leaders it, it behooves you to make those transitory decisions. When you cross over from them, and those could include things like temporary stay-at-home orders and one person in a grocery store or other things that are uniformly applied. But, but when you cross over into permanent harm um, and you start looking at bankrupting families, you start looking at taking people's jobs away, denying them unemployment insurance, denying them the ability to see their families in the country, um, I, then you move into an entirely different category of harm. And here you have the afterthought. You have, you have data, you have information, like you've just pointed out, that can show you that today on October 24th of 2022, we know certain things about the vaccination that we didn't know last year. And yet we're still terminating people today. Right? This is still an ongoing issue. And then you combine that with the virtue signaling of some of these decisions, right? So when you when you look at a, you know, you mentioned the restaurant, so I used it as, as an example, but when you look at a, a decision that says, when you're seated, you don't have to wear a mask, but when you stand up, you have to wear a mask. Some of these start to become silly and, and nonsensical, right? And then any challenge to it, you're, you're, you're faced with, well, you're anti-science and you're anti-vaxxer for even questioning it. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? A, a democracy thwarted with silence is no longer a democracy. It, it, it's about asking those questions. The entire basis of the scientific method, the reason that, that these folks worked the way they did, the great Barrington Declaration that, that I'm sure you know about, where a number of doctors signed on to that as well. The reason they work in this way is because inquiry is the basis of scientific discovery. You know, you don't just make a discovery and then all of a sudden, look, you're a Nobel scientist. It gets challenged and inquired over and over and over again. And that's the basis of the scientific method. What we saw here was completely the opposite. Certainly there's panic. 
there, there's a product that comes in and they say, oh, this is going to fix everything. We quickly realize that it's not. We quickly realize that it's not doing it what it's supposed to do. And yet we don't back off. We double down. We double down. We continue to, to invest in, in more and more vaccine purchases, greater and greater contracts with Pfizer and Moderna, even in the face of having these vaccines pulled off the market with AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson's one shot. It didn't matter. It was unabashedly move forward in the virtue signaling of we love science. That is not science, nor is it the scientific method. That is groupthink and virtue signaling and nothing more. Um, and that won't get you very far at the end of the day. No, no, it really won't. And it just seems like critical thinking has not been allowed to happen. One of the things that we've seen in Canada was uh, churches being offered large sums of money in order to comply with the vaccine mandates. They were even asked to, you know, instill a vaccine mandate into the churches. Many did. Some just had the vaccinated and the unvaccinated section, you know, for the Christmas pageant or whatever. I mean... Um, it's, it's been pretty shocking the amount of money that has been available from somewhere to ask, you know, I guess coming through government hands, but asking people to comply. I'm wondering if unions may have um, had that same opportunity to receive funds in order to put forward these vaccine agendas. Yeah, well, not in my experience. G generally, no one's in our lineup to give a union any money. Um, and and that's that's just the general tone and tenor of it. I, I think look, when we talk about the employment issues, they're not limited to, to unionized employees, although the large majority of employees that have been impacted are unionized. And so within their claims, we look at things like religious exemptions, human rights complaints. We look at whether or not their grievances were handled properly. We look at whether or not their union is following up and helping them. Ultimately, when, when that divide happened in Canada and the mindset became you know, an absolute group of one, you know, the, the unwashed and, and a group of the, the virtuous, let's say, then that translated into how people receive service. So you would call up to your union and you would try and write to them and get representation and they would treat you like you were crazy and you were an anti-vaxxer and how dare you waste their time. I have examples of, uh, of union dues paying union members being thrown out of the union office when they go in and, and they're seeking help. So, so we saw human behavior certainly shift and, and we saw that you know, through, through obviously concerted leadership in this country, but we saw that behavior shift and, and part of what we're hoping to do now is keep and hold people accountable for the obligations they owe these folks. Um, and and that's, that's what my firm focuses on right now is are those types of issues. So um, th this is several uh, suits that, you, that you're involved in. And do, do, you, do you think this will wrap up in a year or less? Yeah, well, so we have lawsuits currently uh, active or lawsuits, various complaints active in Ontario and British Columbia um, and and, uh, and so hopefully starting in Alberta very soon. But but we've got a number of different claims going. We've got non-union complaints. We've got uh, human rights complaints that we look after. We, we've got complaints around privacy issues that we're dealing with. We're also assisting a number of employees who are currently being called back to work 
uh, with independent legal advice for them on, on how best to navigate their situation. A lot of what has happened over this last little while is, is a breakdown, of course, of trust and, and relationships between members and, and their unions. And I'm not saying all of them, but, but certainly the ones we're dealing with that's occurred. Um, and as that's occurred, we're, we're, we're here to help and, and provide advice as best we can and, and help those members kind of get through the system, um, hopefully less scathed than, than more. Will you be able to call uh, expert witness testimony from doctors or uh, those that truly can explain and understand the science? Absolutely. And so we've got we've got a number of experts that we're working with now, and uh, and we, we've certainly got one expert that that is a, a world renowned drug researcher um, and, and has been writing books on, on various drug interactions and drug companies for years. Um, he is, he's recently been working with us to compile every single piece of evidence that was available, both at the time the decisions were made and that's available today, um, so that we can, we can present that to the courts and, and really it's not evidence that, that is subject to factual challenge. It's, it's a study, either the study's there or it isn't, and, and there isn't a rebutting study that, that you can show me that says that it prevents transmission. Um, there isn't a study that you can show me that said it prevents you from getting COVID-19. Um, th there's none of that. So any of the, you know, the, the claims around, I mean, again, this is the problem with the language that we're using. The word vaccine means something very specific, um, as does the word anti-vaxxer or the words anti-vaxxer. Those are very specific. Th this is not even a vaccine, in my opinion. Um, this is a product that does something, uh, but certainly not a vaccine. You know, recently there was a whole bunch of doctors. I was just trying to find that. I mean, uh, if being that we're in Canada, if we simply sort of began to present some of the information coming out through Canadian doctors, of course, we have Dr. William Mackis, who's, um, you know, outlining that there's uh, been uh, a number of, of harms that are quite extreme and that... Um, I'm going to be careful because we're we're actually on YouTube platform, so um, we we wanted to make sure that your interview could get out to the vast amount of people. But we have to respect that YouTube doesn't always like us to present certain information. But Dr. Mm -hmm. William Mackis is certainly somebody that has come out with some very startling information at this time. M A K I S, and also um, I'm trying to find here where a, a, a large group of doctors in um, was it in Ontario or Quebec that is coming out, uh, basically standing up with some very good information and stating that there should be a lot more thought given to what our country has done and insisted on. And when you see that people have lost their jobs, uh, cannot they go bankrupt? I think you mentioned like they lose. Uh, I mean, how does a family recover from what is going on? We have fathers who need to feed their children and we've forced people to take something that is still in the uh, experimental stage. Yeah, well, it, it is, it's a heartbreaking situation, right? So I, I represent clients that have rented out their entire home and, and the family of four has moved into one bedroom of, of what was their house. Uh, to make ends meet. I represent uh, families that have had to sell everything um, and their homes and they've had to move and, and change provinces, change careers, of course. 
Um, I represent people who, who have been approved for religious exemptions, who have proven that their faith um, dictated that they, they shouldn't take this vaccine and have still been on leave without pay for, for 10, 11 months. Um, you know, I represent uh, paramedics who, who, could, who could fill up 24 brand new ambulances tomorrow and, and drive them around Vancouver and, uh, and, and British Columbia. And we talk about a paramedic shortage, for example. Um, you know, the, these are folks that have put in 30 years, 25 years as qualified paramedics have given everything to this province. They are heroes um, and, and they have been thrown out with less than nothing. Um, and many of them are, are currently, you know, sitting at checking balances of less than $200 uh, to, to survive. And, and yet these are the folks that we were uh, getting out of our balconies at 7 p.m. We were clanking the pots and pans at 7 p.m. for these folks. Um, and the first thing we decided to do with them was fire them and, and bankrupt them. We did it with healthcare workers. We did it with uh, paramedics, nurses. We did it with public servants. We did it with our aviation sector, our passport offices. And then we reopened and we said, oh, we don't know what's wrong with our healthcare system. Well, you know, we fired thousands of people. That might be a start um, to, to start looking at, oh, you don't have ambulance service? Well, here's 55 qualified paramedics in the lower mainland who want to work tomorrow, um, who aren't being able to work tomorrow. And, and so, you know, even if, and I don't accept this, but, but even if I can accept that you made this mandate decision with the information you had at the time, and, and, and fair enough, it was what it was. I cannot accept that in October of 2022, all of these people are still off work, still being treated like pariahs, still being prosecuted, still being bankrupted. Um, it, it now, now it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I, I don't see any rational argument other than punitive. And who are we hurting? By, by kicking out all of these healthcare workers and public servants and hydro workers and everybody else. Who are we hurting? We're hurting the people in British Columbia who want service. We're hurting the people of Canada who want to get their passports or want to fly, who want to see their family. Uh, we're hurting ourselves. Uh, and, and so it's a bit of a cut off your nose to spite your face, even though that, you know, this level of punishment's not going to do anything. It's not going to cause an uptake in your vaccination rates. In fact, 40% of British Columbians, and I think, in fact, 40% of Canadians have not gotten their third dose of vaccine. And that's despite the thousands that have been fired and bankrupted. So so I don't know how much more you can do to push it, uh, but but I do know that that it's, it's abhorrent uh, when you look at the reality of what's happened to these folks. It truly is, and the data every single day. Um, will you be able to enter uh, statistics and numbers of harms and deaths from the VAERS report? Well, we can we can get access to, to parts of the VAERS report. One of the, the issues with VAERS, as most people, you know, understand when they get into it, is that it's a very unreliable system. It's, it's based on self-reporting. There's a lot of subjectivity to it. Um, you know, so I'll give you two, two examples. Let's say somebody gets a, a vaccine injection and a day later drops dead of a, a, a massive coronary. I'm not saying that's what's happening, but, but let's say that's happened and, and somebody drops dead. It may be reported as a coronary event that has nothing to do with vaccination. Uh, whereas if you rewind back to the beginning of COVID, 
in the pandemic, a, a gentleman who got into a car accident was thrown 50 feet through his front window, landed on his head and died, but also had COVID, was listed as a COVID death. Um, and so the numbers are, are oddly skewed in, in those directions. And so what we're hopeful that, that through FOIs and through discovery in our cases, we'll be able to nail down some, some significant evidence. But, you know, I, I have evidence of people who have committed suicide, clients of mine, um, over, over this. When you get to a point of despair, uh, where there is no hope, and you, you said it, Laurelyn, you have to feed your family, you have to feed your kids. Uh, birthdays are important, as you know. Christmas is important, as you know. And your entire world's been taken away from you. Um, that's where the despair sets in. And, and, and so we initially, early on, we had folks who had committed suicide. We've put in support structures and, and help groups within our client groups. It's been one of the greatest things to see for, for Canadians coming together and helping each other. Uh, but, but they're all doing that now. All of our client groups are required to have those supports in place for each other, including financial supports that are put in for them in their various groups so that they can access a few hundred dollars for groceries or, or whatever. We do that and make sure that's taken care of before any legal billing of any sort. Um, is, is on anybody. It's more about these people coming together and taking care of each other. Um, and, and so we're quite proud of that. But, but this is the, the, what we've had to come and do because nobody else had been stepping up, especially the government of this country. 100%. You know, a lot of us have been caught unaware, like never really foreseeing that our country would do something like this after the Nuremberg trials, after we totally understand that any medical procedure must be by choice. Like that is the beauty of, of what we've learned from many tragedies in history that uh, no one should be forced to take any kind of, um, uh, you know, shot or any kind of medication. Even a cancer patient can say, I choose to uh, take the risk and not, you know, take the chemotherapy and to go a natural way. There's all manner of freedom in our country. And isn't it significant that they've forced this and yet the numbers of deaths from 2020 have not shown pandemic numbers. The numbers of deaths, you know, worldwide are now in 2022 at an astonishing level and and in Alberta now showing that the deaths are classified as death uh, cause unknown uh, for the first time you know really probably ever because it's been dementia for many years and now mm. all of a sudden there's so many deaths and they don't know why and there's an excess amount of deaths do you think that might play into some of the the information that the court might need to know yeah, I, I think that, you know, it depends on how we can draw that correlation, if, if there's that correlation. But, but ultimately, you're right. I mean, the numbers across the world are, are showing an excess amount of deaths. Um, and, and the pandemic numbers are showing, a, you know, clearly a, a level of testing that, that's finding a lot more COVID than not. Um, and, and so I think both of those are, are troubling in their own right. I think that that it would depend on on the case, but that we'd be able to to bring in that evidence. The, you know, one of the issues that that you mentioned that I want to get back to when you talk about choice and and cancer treatments or even medically assisted dying, which is now legal and available, 
I think that any individual should have any manner of choice within their own body to regulate their body and to do whatever it is that, that they want to inject or not inject with their body. Um, you know, of course, the line that gets drawn in the law and the appropriate line is as long as you're not harming somebody else. So as long as your personal choices are not going and hurting others. And, and that's, you know, you, that, that's, that's an axiom that, that's been around forever and a day. The reality of this vaccination, let's call it the product, was that it was sold on the promise that you were saving grandma's life. It wasn't your life. It was mandated because you're going out there taking it and now grandma's going to live. Well, grandma died, right? So, so it didn't actually work for that. Um, and, and it certainly didn't prevent transmission of that. And so if, you know, even if you accept an argument that, that the vaccine makes you less sick somehow, and I don't know how you could prove that because I don't know any control group getting COVID and, and a control I group. I wasn't very vaccine. sick. Right. Like we're uh, right. my group of friends. Uh, we've all had COVID and, and we're fine. We don't even have Absolutely. long COVID. So so what is I, I think that's an excellent point you're bringing up. What is the mechanism by which you say, oh, but at least I didn't end up hospitalized? Well, not, none of us group did, you know. Well, yeah. And there's no way to test that. Right. I mean, you see those those tweets out there. Oh, I got four shots. Thank God. Now I'm not going to die or whatever. <laughs> um, but, but I think ultimately. Um, ultimately, if it's a personal harm issue, even if I accept the argument that it makes me less sick, then I also accept the argument that I get to smoke, I get to drink, I get to go and bungee jump if I want to, I get to go skydiving, I get to do a whole host of things that could put my life in danger in any given day that are bad for me. Um, and so that's still my choice. Uh, it's not hurting anybody else in terms of what I do. It's no different in the vac in the context of this product um, that we're talking about from Pfizer and Moderna. It's no different. If even if you accept that it makes you less sick, then it's a personal decision and should not be forced on anybody else. I think that's excellent, and it's also difficult. I mean, what if? And this has already happened. Um, it's happened to pilots. I've had the pilots on my show. They've been harmed by the vaccine. That was their personal experience. I am going to visit a friend in a couple of days in Saskatchewan. She had her second dose. She uh, had a stroke and she has been injured and disabled ever since. Uh, that These kinds of things happen and there's no one that compensates the family. Uh, Pfizer and Moderna are completely let off the hook, of course, because they've made sure that they've had these these, uh, you know, agreements signed whereby they're not held responsible. And certainly these companies are not held responsible. They're not going to be paying the, the bills for the rest of your life as you've been injured and can't return. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And, you know, the, the process that we've got in Canada is through the, the Vaccine Injury Board. Very few cases have gone up through there. Uh, even fewer have actually received any level of compensation. And so we are working with some clients currently going through that process and, and we help clients navigate that process as best we can. Uh, ultimately, that process may require a separate challenge as well uh, in the courts to, to review it and understand that if it even comes close to providing the level of compensation required for, for someone to accommodate the rest of their life in these situations. I mean, it, it is 
again, it is it is extremely significant. And, and there are many things that you can say you are doing for the greater good that will harm the few. And, and, and that's always been justifiable in, in a in a weird way in society. But, but this is not for that greater good. Like it doesn't, you know, it, if it did what it said it was going to do, sure, it's all for the greater good. Let's get rid of a, a, a virus out there. Uh, but that's not what this is. And, and to continue to punish people, to keep them out of the workforce, to prevent Canadians from getting life-saving services on the ground, from pre preventing Canadians from accessing the airports and our economy, uh, to continue to do this is, is more uh, vindictive than, than plausible in terms of a, a, a viable rationale. And um, with respect to mainstream media, I'm not certain that it can be of any help to you in a case how you would put that forward, but mainstream media has not helped at all. Uh, they're not reporting on any of the, the doctors, even in Canada, uh, that are coming out with a lot of data. Uh, Dr. Charles Hoff, who was in Lytton, BC, I had him on my show. He wrote a, a letter here in British Columbia. I'm sure you've probably heard of it. And it went to Dr. Bonnie Henry saying, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm in Lytton, BC. There's a large um, population, mainly of First Nations, that were receiving the vaccination. And because they did roll it out first there, Dr. Bonnie Henry spoke of this. And so the, this vaccine gets given out in Lytton, British Columbia. Uh, somebody dies, and then there's all of these harms that keep coming, and he's seeing them you know, every single day. And he finally puts out an open letter to Dr. Bonnie Henry, because as a doctor for many years, he's never seen the likes of this. Um, and when you see that mainstream media will not even give the time of day to these doctors, as soon as somebody is, as you're seen to be speaking any ill or any, any questions being brought up regarding the vaccine, suddenly you're like a, a pariah and, and nobody wants to talk to you anymore. And I think that that has done great damage to the companies, the people, the communities, the workers, everyone who doesn't know, even doctors who don't know what's truly going on because it's not allowed to be questioned any longer. Yeah, I think that will, that will probably go down as one of the greatest tragedies of all of this has been the death of our discourse, the, the, the death of our dialogue um, with each other, especially in, in, in a level of civility that we understand each other. You know, I watched a video of a candidate who was going door knocking in the municipal elections and somebody opened the door and said, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer and slammed the door in his face. You know, when you, when you see that level of, of angst and, and entrenchment into a camp, um, I, I really think that that's what we need to focus on over the next coming months and years to try and, and bring Canadians back to the center or certainly back to a place where, where we can have those dialogues because it, it, is, it is ridiculous. I, I think you're brilliant and uh, so courageous for what you're doing. My final question to you is um, a little bit personal in nature, but when you take on a case like this at this epic time in history where we are facing this... Um, denial of facts and more it's all about feelings and it's you know so much science has been set aside while they try to maintain this facade of following the science which is a joke if you watch Dr. Anthony Fauci mm -hmm. but uh, for you personally uh, has there been a price to pay for actually standing up the way that you are right now? 
Well, I think that at any price I've paid has been has been nothing compared to the price that, that my clients have paid um, with with their lives and, and their finances and their families. You know, look, for me, it's it's a, an exercise every day of trying to support as many people as I can through this process of, of trying to, to follow as many leads as we can and as many viable uh, legal avenues that we can. Uh, I won't lie to you at times, it's a it's a punch in the gut. You know, you wake up every every other day and you see a negative story against um, uh, against your case or you see, uh, you know, more characterizations of, of people that you represent in this horrible negative light. Um, I think it's it starts to weigh on you. But but I, I am encouraged, like I said, by by the resilience of my clients and and how hard they're working together to support each other as Canadians. They have set up hardship funds for each other, um, even though they don't have money. Uh, they've all inputted what they can to to give each other funds as needed to help through this hard time. And so I think that that any support that, that those groups like the British Columbia Employees for Freedom, BCPS for Freedom, Free to Fly and uh, Unifor Rights and, and a whole bunch of others I could name, but um, those are the groups that we need to support and, and, uh, and hopefully get some justice for. Absolutely. And I think uh, some of them have pages where they're raising funds uh, for their yeah. for their fights as well. Yeah, Absolutely. we've had free to fly on. Yeah, the BC paramedics are, are, are part of that group as well. Um, and that's, I, I believe it's BCPA is, is the name of the organization. Okay. Um, amazing paramedics. There's 55 of them um, all ready to work tomorrow with years and years of experience. Uh, but but yeah, no. There, there's a lot of organizations out there, and and, and look, folks need um, they just need to know that that someone's listening and 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 someone cares enough to try and hear their perspective. Um, it's hard enough waking up every day thinking, you know, am I am I crazy? Are you crazy? Who who's who's out of the loop on this one, right? Because every day you just you have to take that look. But uh, but but ultimately, this is not where we were three years ago. This is not who we were three years ago. Um, and I don't believe this is who we have to be. Wow. We've been through a lot in Canada. It's been quite a trauma for the entire nation to have faced with what's happened. And uh, we sure do need to be healed. And you're part of that healing. You're fighting for the good people of Canada. So I thank you so much, uh, Mr. Sheikh. We'll uh, talk to you again. We'd love to have an update as needed. And if you'd like to come on with some of your clients sometime, we'd, we'd certainly make it a priority. To have you on so Absolutely. thank you very much thank you very much Lorelai. appreciate Take it care. very good um we need people like that we absolutely do wow i i loved his demeanor and i i loved the way that he was so uh very factual and understanding he truly gets it um i have tried to work with a couple of lawyers in a couple of cases for friends and whatnot and they they don't like they're they don't get it at all like they don't get the fight and a, a lawyer is really hampered if he doesn't really understand the issues and i could sense uh that mr Sheikh did uh jugmeet singh on ctv's question period uh is saying that he will continue to support mr trudeau even if trudeau has no justification for the emergencies act so i wonder what's in it for Mr. Uh, Singh, to be so supportive of a prime minister that has absolutely and is ruining his country. Take a look. Then let me ask you this, uh, Jagmeet Singh. If 
the commission concludes that really it was not justified. Would you withdraw your support of the Liberals? Uh, that doesn't seem that it would be, uh, depending on the results, we, we'd have to hear exactly what the results are. I don't want to presuppose uh, the findings, if there's something that, that comes out in the findings that, that I didn't imagine or we didn't anticipate, uh, then we'll have to reserve our judgment. But uh, simply because it was the wrong decision uh, wouldn't be enough for us to break uh, or, or to, to, to force the country into an election. Hmm. He looks so good in pink, doesn't he? So we'll see how that uh, pans out in the future. Uh, still image, Toronto Star front, uh, front page says the convoy that shook Ottawa. Is it still a threat? Isn't that an interesting <laughs> an interesting um, title that they came up with there? Uh, it sure seems that the convoy rattled the Canadian government, doesn't it? It rattled the Canadian government so intensely that Trudeau had to declare what I, I believe should be shown to be an illegal invocation of the Emergencies Act for no good reason. Unarmed Canadian citizens were pelted with rubber bullets for walking the streets of Ottawa. I mean, how ridiculous is this? And uh, I just loved watching this video. Um, was it yesterday, JT? We watched that young lady who had complained. Um, I think she worked for the government. And I remember getting video, right? I remember getting video of the guy right outside the government building um, on one of those back streets in Ottawa. And I do believe we filmed him. And as I was watching her, I was like, get that video. Because here's the government guy saying, oh, yeah, they haven't, yeah, like they, he was a security guard for the building and they hadn't been to the building for months. And so people saying, oh, we couldn't get to work, we couldn't do, you know, the government, the, the city told them to shut down a huge mall that was down there. Well, they would have had hundreds of thousands of dollars because all the beautiful Canadian people would have gone shopping to the mall to, to maybe warm up after a pleasant day of protest, peaceful protest, drinking hot chocolate, uh, lots of places to buy. You could even get, you know, a, um, uh, you know, a, a hot coffee or even like a, a smoky hot dog, you know, and uh, head on down to the bouncy castle. Um, and have a, a great day and and all of that's going on and these people haven't been to to their workplace for months the malls shut oh and if you wanted to go to one of those restaurants well you weren't allowed in because of course you're not vaccinated oh uh, we would go in there every day and we'd kind of ask yeah, have you changed the policy at all like is there any way because we have money we'd, we'd love to spend our money today to buy lunch from you I see you're kind of empty in here. I mean, imagine here's a restaurant. Uh, the you know the most of the people that are down in this area are are these people fighting for freedom, and and the restaurant right in the middle of them that could be making thousands of dollars. No, nope, can't have you. You're unvaccinated, the unclean. Oh, we might catch something off you. Oh, now we found out. That if you're vaccinated, we can catch something off you. I don't know. All right. So Danielle Smith, what a stand-up gal. I had the privilege of having her on this show 
uh, some time ago, and um, I knew she was really a special lady, very strong. Well, Danielle Smith uh, will not enforce federal laws that attack Alberta's economy or rights of our people. Take a look at this lioness. Finally, the Ottawa problem. There can be no doubt that the current NDP Liberal Alliance is just the latest in a long line of Ottawa governments that have frustrated the legitimate aspirations of hardworking Albertans. That stops now. When Ottawa announces policies and laws that attack our economy or violate the rights of our people, or when Ottawa seeks to take control of our sovereign areas of provincial jurisdiction, our UCP government will not enforce those laws and policies in this province, period. very clear. I will never, ever apologize for standing up for the people of Alberta and the province that I serve. So, we will pass the Sovereignty Act. Work has already begun on crafting it. We worked on it earlier this week at the caucus retreat. We still have further work to do, but I've asked for it to be ready by the time I take my seat in the legislature. We will then introduce it, and we will pass it, and we will use it to push Ottawa back into its own lane every single time that they step out of line and intrude on our constitutional rights. Alberta will no longer ask permission from Ottawa to be prosperous and free. Oh, man, get the popcorn. It's going to be a good one. I mean, finally, right? Like, look at the hope we put into Ford in Ontario and what a loser he's become. I'm sorry. What What's wrong with this guy? He's he's like the conservative guy, right, in, in the background. And he's standing behind uh, Trudeau just... Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, bowing to everything Trudeau says, he was supposed to be the hope for people. The the people that actually got him elected. I was talking to someone today who was part of the team that got Ford elected. And he's just been nothing but a disaster and a disappointment more than anything. And so here's Danielle Smith. God bless her. God help her. We need to support her. I know uh, the Honorable Brian Peckford put a letter out saying, listen, when people don't stand up, we get very angry and we shout them down and we, you know, we're all upset and we're in angst. But hey, when somebody actually comes to the table and stands like this as Danielle Smith is, let's support her. Boy, I, I love that. Just seeing that room, standing ovation, rising to their feet to support what she is saying. Oh, this is exciting. You know, the Spirit of God goes to and fro across Canada looking for whom he may show himself strong in. 
and uh, he's finding a few, and I think that's very exciting. Dell Bigtree uh, of the High Wire CDC approves COVID vaccine as part of children's vaccination schedule. Mm. I'm going to announce that today, October 20th, 2022, is a day that will live in infamy. Just moments ago, before this broadcast, our own CDC and the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices representing the United States of America and our health departments voted unanimously 15 to 0 to approve the COVID-19 vaccine to be added to the childhood schedule. This means that a product that was never properly approved for safety, never went through a long-term safety trial, is still only under an emergency use authorization, meaning they rushed it out because they didn't have time to do the science, now without official approval has been put onto the childhood schedule. This will lead to mandates across the United States of America for children to be able to enter school and preschools, high schools and colleges. They will follow suit. And so now an untested vaccine that has shown to cause harm all around the world, especially to children, for a virus that does not affect children has been forced upon our population by a regulatory agency that is supposed to be working for us. I believe this day will mark the moment in which the United States of America, at least the majority, is going to turn against the CDC and recommendations that come from it and any belief in the science that they have stood for for all of these years. Kind of springing this on you, by the way, uh, but we have been watching these developments with Pfizer now. Obviously, the CDC just uh, unanimously voted. Fifteen of them voted to now um, say that even though it's still an emergency authorization, the COVID vaccine for 12 and under, um, the, but this can now be considered a mandate for public schools in this country, the COVID vaccine. Uh, Pfizer, by the way, is going to make out big time on this and Wall Street as well. Uh, the, a Wells Fargo analyst is out now saying that be, because Pfizer is hiking the price of the vaccine, it's going to add around two and a half billion to three billion in annual revenue for their shots. Okay, right. is, it, is anybody looking at that? That is happening. Um, but yes, the news is that Pfizer now, right. amid that decision by the CDC, has announced that they're hiking prices for their vaccine, the amount they charge the U.S. government. It is unbelievable that CDC is making these recommendations. People look at the word recommendation and think, what's the big deal? They Dr. Just Siegel disagrees with you, by the way. But, um, but just when we recommendation, when you make the recommendation, most of these states are going to take it. They're going to say, okay, what the CDC says we're going to do. What we're going to watch to know how, uh, how unpopular this is. I think you're going to be hard-pressed to see any single governor say, I saw what the CDC says, I'm mandating that for my kids. Mm. You saw Governor DeSantis says, give me a microphone. Yeah. We're not changing anything. Lee Zeldin as well. Lee Zeldin said, yeah, yeah if, if he's governor, though the current governor here. Right. Uh, Hochul, you won't even hear a word from because she knows it's remarkably We've unpopular. Yeah. yeah. So we are going to see, we're going to see if those 16 Democratic governors yeah. are going to rally around it. But it makes one, everyone is fundamentally suspicious about this. It's not a vaccine, it's a shot.
You have to have it every year. It's going to change every year. That's a flu shot. That's the design of the flu shot. Number three, what are you giving these kids? Yeah. You're giving these kids the third variant, the fourth variant, the original shot. And since when are kids vulnerable enough to mandate it for the 100 million who are going to school? Hmm. So is it just about the money? I can't be can't just be about money when kids are involved, right? The expose news report about government reports uh, that um, they have a government report that proves the vaccine decimates the immune system. So I'm not certain if I can pull this up here, but I want to show you uh, this very, very interesting report. Basically, um, Government reports are actually proving that the COVID vaccination decimates the immune system. Now, we have actually shown this from a lot of different places. And um, should I read this one, JT? COVID-19 case rates per 100,000 population in England by vaccination status. So um, week 51 of 2021 to week 12 of 2022 uh, has all of these people. Now, if I bring this Really large. We're going to put this. Uh, you all know about our Flipboard. Our Flipboard. Um, it's in the um, uh, the what do you call that? In the description part of everything that we do, and um, and you can really intricately kind of go over uh, what these are saying. Now, um, can you just scroll down a little bit, uh, JT? There. Okay. So. Uh, yep, there's another one, but uh, let us absolutely be clear if if you can just go up to that uh, paragraph there. So the the above shows a rapid improvement in case rates among the unvaccinated population in every single age group over three months and a frightening rise in case rates per 100,000 among triple vaccinated individual in every single age group over a period of three months. That's very shocking. Think about that right now. Okay, so in fact, the difference between the two groups was so significant that by week 12 of 2022, real-world vaccine effectiveness was proving to be as low as minus 391% among the 60 to 69-year-olds. This had fallen from an already concerning effectiveness of minus 104.7% among the same age group by week two of 2022. Basically, to sum it all up, those of you who like data and whatnot, you're going to love going through that report uh, because it, it just shows the real numbers and the immunity system of those that are being, you know, double and triple vaccinated seems, seems, it seems to be showing that there is a sharp decline and, and a real problem there. And we've known that for a while and we've had doctors on that have talked about that. So that is an excellent article that I hope that you'll go to. Um, MSNBC, newscientist.com uh, article about thousands more UK deaths than usual and we don't know why. So this is a little bit about what I was talking about with uh, the good lawyer um, today is that across the world, there are uptick in deaths not related to COVID. They just simply don't know why. And of course, recently in our own sister province next to us in Alberta, uh, the 
the deaths are are much larger than they expected or had predicted or thought and it's not because of covid that people are dying and it's being deemed as unknown cause so what's going on everyone um all right in this video uh, jessica rose a phd on vaxxed blood and having a choice to receive unvaxxed transfusions this is a growing concern that people who have made the decision that they do not want to be vaccinated uh, would also in the event that they would need a blood transfusion would like that integrity of their blood to be maintained simply don't know mm -hmm. uh, we're not measuring the amount of uh, spike protein in the blood of people who are being transfused who had been injected that's number one do you believe that we're not even measuring so there's no way to know like quantitatively what kind of dose because that's what this would be it would be a dose of, of a protein or a, a, a even the uh, I mean the mRNA we, we don't know we don't know what's coming as a byproduct of that person being injected with these products when we we give their blood to someone else that's the bottom line we don't know so th they could be getting a dose of mRNA they could be getting a dose of spike they could be who knows mm -hmm. um and so that's the point I mean without even without even using any kind of conjecture um it's just a stupid idea to do that at this point before we have the data um uh, yeah. I mean it, it's kind of like the injection itself it's Russian roulette we don't know so it's not nice <laughs> to to uh, to use a um, a uh, a kind word um, to not give someone a choice. Yeah. Um, if someone insists that they want non-HIV infected blood, they should get non-HIV infected blood. If they insist that they don't want the blood product of someone who's been injected with these uh, transfecting agents they should have that right. It's, it's just a basic right. It's not something we should even discuss. And for the people who are, uh, I can hear them now, I swear to God, they're like, oh, you're crazy. There's nothing wrong with all these people. I'm like, okay, you, you, you have the choice to do whatever you want, but we do too. And we're going to fight for that choice and we're gonna maintain that choice. 100 absolutely percent can you imagine if you've you know uh done the research and you've made decisions that um you feel are personal and important and you might have religious reasons that you've chosen that and about certain things in your body um and all of a sudden you find yourself in harm's way and that that choice is not respected. This is a growing problem, absolutely. A news report about how the antigen test, oh, sorry, antigen <laughs> uh, test includes a, chem a chemical that can be harmful. Um, 
This is interesting. Take a look. A million people who are receiving those free government-issued at-home COVID tests. The extraction tube in many of the kits includes a chemical that can be harmful or even deadly. It's colorless, tasteless, odorless. It's a powder that's found in things like airbags and pest control solutions. Maya Belay from our Cleveland station checks in with Poison Control for a look at the potential dangers. Ohio poison control centers are sounding the alarm surrounding a liquid substance called sodium azide found in some at-home COVID testing kits that could be toxic to children as well as adults if used incorrectly. Our toxicology community has been both surprised that this was the ingredient in some of the kits and also concerned. We have seen exposures in all age groups. The Drug and Poison Information Center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital reports an increase in calls to their hotline related to accidental exposure to the substance. So far, nearly 40 exposures were reported there, and the problem is nationwide. We are one of 55 poison control centers, and nationwide other poison centers have been reporting a similar finding, and there have been more than a couple of hundred exposures nationwide to sodium azide in test kits. Doctors advise parents to keep the kids out of reach of children and when testing children for COVID at home to make sure they are supervised in order to avoid any adverse side effects from exposure. Sodium azide can be toxic to humans, to animals, uh, and things that it can cause that we would want to look out for would be like low blood pressure, weakness, fatigue, people passing out. If an accident occurs, call the nearest poison control center. The dose makes the poison, and the dose of sodium azide in these kits is very small, and the exposures that have, we have seen has been a small amount of that. Experts say following instructions is key. Some adults actually end up using the potentially harmful substance to swab their nose because they didn't follow directions. Nicole? Wow. Okay, well, just reporting the facts, nothing but the facts. Hopefully that's allowed to be done on the platforms I'm on. Um, govern yourselves accordingly, everybody. Sean Penn shares his views on those who are unvaccinated. Sean Penn, you know him. He, he sings, right? He acts. Doesn't sing? Oh. <laughs> oh, Sean Penn. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about another guy who sings. Okay, take a look at what You've been, you know, working tirelessly with, you know, helping on COVID testing, vaccination sites, what goes through your mind when you hear a lot of the anti-vaccine rhetoric? Um, it, it's, it's a cowardice of conviction. I, I think that it is an unwillingness to engage in a culture of common sense uh, that at this point, it seems criminal to me, actually. I, I really feel that, um, that, that, that if someone chooses not to be vaccinated, that they should choose to stay home, not go to work, not have a job. These are, you know, as, as long as we're all paying for these streets, we got to ride safely on them. And so I'm just hopeful that the mindset will change. And it started, we know that it's, this really started with leadership voids. And now I think that there are some examples of leadership that are being helpful with it. Uh, but we really got to get everyone else, every, every, everybody on the same page. And I think the CDC should be much more clear. So... Here's the thing, now that we know that transmission can happen whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, on what basis is he making these statements? 
um, is he not following? Is he not paying attention to the science? You have to sort of wonder why this guy who is speaking, you know, with all of his um, background. Um, also recently, we saw Jennifer Aniston making comments about how, you know, people just must, they just don't know, you know, if they're not sort of buying in to all of it. And really, it all comes down to uh, a, a personal decision, my body, my choice, right, Sean Penn? And that we would look at the facts and go, well, this doesn't make sense. And Mr. Penn, we've all had COVID. The whole the whole country's pretty much had COVID. Like we probably have a great herd immunity thing happening now. Um, maybe we should put our comments towards those who are still doing gain of function research to create viruses that are even 80% more harmful than COVID-19. Maybe that's where we should be putting our talking points and complaints towards. But to people who have already survived it, have natural immunity, and all you vaccinated people, you can still give us COVID. You can still give your loved one COVID. None of that's true. And in fact, the science showing that perhaps it's your immunity that's being compromised and we care about that. So we mention it. We try to bring forward the information. Why, why does he not know? I wonder, does he just listen to mainstream media? Doesn't do any digging? Sad, isn't it? All right. Um, Nashville crowd rallies to end childhood mutilation. Far left counter protesters meltdown. Do we have a video on this or no? Okay, just some pictures. Um, there was a lot of yelling going on on a video that I saw where, where this is all happening. Um, you know, people are, are, they're fighting, they're fighting this whole transgenderism and they want, they don't want kids harmed. This battle has come to a very, very huge place. Uh, and so the anger that is now kind of coming out, I'm a little concerned that there has been a lot of money to back agendas that divide us and to propagandize our schools and to put forward an agenda that is harmful to families and especially to kids. And so those who are standing strong, and believe me, it is now beginning. I remember when there was, you know, three of us, four of us in Vancouver, you know, sounding the alarm, and we had to actually convince people that we were telling the truth about what the schools are easily teaching all of our kids. And Chilliwack, you know, I'm, I'm very sad because the whole Chilliwack area, they just had... They just had a, an election and they put in a transgender onto the board. Uh, everybody, pull your, pull your kids out. It's time to homeschool en masse. I would not have my kids going to a school like that in any area they're allowing this teaching. I just couldn't do it because I don't ascribe to that. I ascribe to science. 
Take a look at this video. This is how crazy things have gotten. When we discuss the difference between men and women, it seems that it's not popular or politically correct with some groups to actually notice that there's a scientific difference between men and women. So in this next video, there's a woman trying to point that out. Look at the reaction that happens. I mean, we've lost the plot if this is how our society is going. Let's look at differences between men and women that are explicitly anatomical and physiological. Are men taller than women on average? Does anyone take offense at that fact? <laughs> are you irritated? There's always so, a standout. <laughs> so I would say you could be irritated by it. You could be irritated by the fact that women have to be the ones to gestate and lactate. You could be irritated by a lot of truths. But taking offense is a is a response that is rejection of reality. So men and women are different on height. They're different on muscle mass. They're different on where fat is deposited on our bodies, right? Our brains are also different. So there's- Security! This is, this is what happens. Oh, did they shut off the volume? Can you hear? Can, can everybody hear? should not listen to fascism. It should not be tolerated in civil society. Nazis are not welcome in civil society. So facts can't be tolerated. Can you imagine that it's, it's gotten to this point where stating that a man has more muscle mass, that he's taller, that he's bigger, that he has an advantage physically over a woman is now, that is now referred to as your brainwash to think that. Those women in there, they're brainwashed. They're crazy. They think, they think that men and women are different. You know, kind of, kind of nuts, isn't it? You, you got to stand back and go, um, I'm not sure what's going to help you now that you're of an adult age and you don't get this. You don't get science because why? Because you want, you want a, an ideology that makes men and women the same. A lot of women, they fought to vote. They fought to have the same income for the same job. They fought to have equality in, in our world. And many of you gals, you're the beneficiary of this, aren't we? We're the beneficiary of going, wow, I am woman, hear me roar, rah, right? Oh no, but now women want to say, we're not any different than a man, please. Don't say that we're different. A man can breastfeed. I mean, They've lost their ever-loving minds, and we're supposed to all just go, yeah, yeah, don't say anything. Well, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Are we wrong? Are we wrong? Can, can a man breastfeed? Because maybe I just didn't understand what I was taught, because my parents are actually very elderly now, 
and uh, maybe they didn't really know the whole scoop. So men can breastfeed, um, you know, women can be dads. Okay, no. So I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's very kind to women who fought very hard to become an Olympic swimmer to then have a man who identifies as a woman, a man come in and take a woman's gold. If this continues, there's no women's sports. Let's put us, we, we allow this, we're going to have transgenders in every sport that women are involved in for all time. Women never win the gold again. And this is what you're for? So that you can have uh, boys going into women's private spaces like bathrooms, even in high school, very personal sort of time where you're figuring it all out. You've got some guy in there and that's allowed. Oh, don't, 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 don't hurt his feelings. Don't hurt them. Displace all the girls. If you've got a problem with it, you use the transgender bathroom. None of that makes sense, does it? <sighs> Crazy. All right. Uh, final video. Steve Bannon speaks outside D.C. courthouse following sentencing. This is quite something. If you're watching what's going on in the States, let's have a look at Steve Bannon. On November 8th, there's going to have judgment on the illegitimate Biden regime and quite frankly, and quite frankly, the Nancy Pelosi and the entire committee. And we know which way that's going. Either they've already been turfed out like Liz Cheney, right, or have quit like Kinzinger and other Democrats, or they're about to be beaten like Luria and others, or they will lose their power and become a minority and Nancy Pelosi and, and uh, Tom's chairman Chalmers, all of it. Merrick Garland will end up being the first attorney general that's brought up on charges of impeachment and he will be removed from office. Thank you very much. Unbelievable times. So do you know what's happening in the States is the FBI and the CIA, they've been weaponized by the, the Democrat Party, really they're just agents of the, this political party they have literally uh, gone to the homes of hundreds of law-abiding citizens who are on the wrong side of what they think uh, how, how, how these people sh should be thinking and so because they're not in alignment with the, the Democrat agenda they have now taken the FBI and the CIA and gone to many people's homes and caused and created total havoc and terror in a lot of people. I don't know how this is happening, but there is going to be a holy justice about to fall on all of this. And God is watching. This is, this is a land that has been given over. And, um, you know, I wanted to have those those um, pictures ready. Uh, JT and I were out on the road yesterday, and we saw this huge Vancouver police um, vehicle. And the vehicle, um, the vehicle uh, was black, and it it looked like it could house like fifteen or twenty army dudes. You know, like one of them big tank black 
you know, almost like a Brinks truck, solid black Vancouver police written on it, and it's being towed down the road. I've never seen anything so ominous. And it, it was really bizarre. And I think about our government and the lack of common sense. His continuation, Mr. Pri- Mr. Prime Minister's continuation, going down a road of the WEF agenda, regardless of all the science, regardless of information that's coming out and not protecting the people or the children of Canada. I talked to a pastor this morning and God had told him to liquidate and to sell his home in Canada back in February. And he feels that he might have missed the boat because he didn't do it. God is speaking to all of us, and and God's going to help him to sort it all out because God is always a God of the second chance. But I remember letting you guys know that it is so important to hear God's still small voice right now. What is he saying to you? Is he telling you to, you know, hold on to to your your life here? The same pastor told me that many, uh, about 15 families or so uh, that he knows of have headed down to Mexico. They're, they're out of here. They're gone. One has gone to Costa Rica. And, and uh, he's here, and he's battling it through, and he's going to be here and stand up for Canadians. But there is an aspect where we're going. God, God is whispering, and he lets you know what to do. Here's the thing I find. Our biggest problem, do you know what our biggest problem is? Obedience and courage to obey when God speaks. Many of you, some of you right this very moment, you have had a word from God on what you are to do, the way you are to proceed, and you have not obeyed as of now. Could I ask you to make a very sharp turn from the error of your ways and to turn yourself and to hear from God and obey with courage not without fear because you'll be afraid. It's so scary to make plans or to do something that is unfamiliar to you. But if God has spoken to your heart, you must obey. And if you do not, there are repercussions. And I faced that in my life. And when I shared with you that we felt that God gave us a word because I opened the Bible and it fell to Ezekiel 12 verses 1 to 6. And God literally said, son of man, the word to you is pack your things and go. Now, God did not ask me to leave Canada, but he asked me to pack my things and to let my property go. We had, we have spent our lives just investing and investing and, you know, keeping, uh, you know, even when we lost jobs, keeping the mortgage paid so that we would have, you know, this, this nest. God asked us to sell that. And we did it, <clears throat> and it was not easy, and it took a lot of courage, and we were scared. I shared a lot of this with you as we went through it. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I know that God is speaking to many of us about what is it he's asking us to do. What is the word from the Lord for you? And guess what? The word for me is different than the word for you or your neighbor. Or your best friend. 
God's word is individual and it's specific. And when he speaks, the worst mistakes we make are not acting in courage when God speaks. Whatever he said to you, my friends, I'm asking you to do it. So it's a, a difficult time. Absolutely. But follow God, follow God. Um, we've been talking about some things that might be wise right now because of what we're seeing. We heard, is it, um, the bank of Canada, JT is raising the interest. Oh, a half to three quarters of a point on this coming Wednesday, another rise in the interest rates. This always rattles the economy. And the very hard part is that the people most affected, of course, are those who are hanging on for dear life, right? They, they have, they got a mortgage on their home um, and, and they live sort of, you know, just right within their means. And these are the, the shaking that begins to come. And, and, and then it, and then it keeps hitting more, you know, it, it, it hits different financial groups, right? So what is God saying? Uh, some of you want to invest in gold and silver. So we've had Steve Merrill on a couple of times. I value his opinions. Apparently silver is at a, a record setting low right now. And he believes it is being kept low artificially. And he gave a great, uh, you know, comment and, and interview on that. You can go and check that on BitChute or Rumble. It's all still there. It's even on Facebook if you go back a bit. And so uh, Steve is able to kind of explain these things in a much better way than I do. One thing I know about the word of God, it talks about the uh, value of gold and silver. And so that might be a place where maybe an investment right now would be good. Hear from God. I personally think it's a good idea. And that's where we're making some investments so that we have something outside of this money that seems to be, you know, they're telling us they've printed money. And um, I saw, a, you know, an angry outburst in the House of Commons against the Prime Minister and the Liberal Party, putting us into the most debt I think that we've ever been. I mean, it's just stacking up on the backs of our children. So how do we protect ourselves? So uh, Sun City Silver and Gold, um, Steve Merrill, you can send him a quick email. He will get right back to you. He's fantastic. He'll answer your questions and help you, guide you. If that's of interest, check that out. And my website is laurelin.tv. I thank you very much, all of you, for joining us, for loving us. We've had a huge group um, on YouTube and Facebook today. It's so nice to be back. Some of you, uh, you're like, oh, you're back, you know, on Facebook. Uh, be sure to always also go to Rumble and subscribe to our channel there. Go to BitChute, subscribe to our channel so that you can get notifications in case one day you don't see, you know, I'm not here or something. Well, I haven't gone anywhere. I just probably either myself or somebody said something that somebody didn't like. And so I got a little problem. So I want to uh, thank you for your donations. If any of you would consider becoming a monthly partner, you just click on the donate button and um, it gives you options. You can donate one time. If you appreciate the truth that you get here that you will not see on CBC, CTV or Global, guaranteed. You will not see it. You will only get some stuff here. And we try to <clears throat> give you an overview of some important things that 
uh, that we think that you need to keep in mind. And also we try to have a bit of fun. So I know uh, I did a uh, Facebook um, thing on Dr. Teresa Tam's Twitter page the other day. And unfortunately, um, you know, the comments on the page have not changed and we've got huge views on Facebook, absolutely huge views. Speaking of Facebook, JT, do you see a share there? Uh, of I'm going to be going on tour. Guys, we are heading out to, um, we are heading out to, uh, oh, okay. Wow, I put like two up of the East Coast states, but I didn't put the other ones. Okay, so we're going to Southern Ontario. We're going to be in Barrie, in Woodstock, in Owen Sound. Uh, we'll be in Saskatoon as well on, on October 30th. There's a whole bunch of dates. I'm going to go in and have to add the, the different poster because I've obviously done this completely wrong. In any case, then we're going to be going to um, Maryland, New Brunswick, Springvale, Prince Edward Island, Sydney, Nova Scotia, and I believe there's going to be um, more events in Nova Scotia, three or four different places in Nova Scotia. And Dr. Kevin Stillwagon, you may have seen him on this show. He's absolutely fabulous. He explains all kinds of things going on with, with precision and with his expertise in studying um, everything that's there. So let me see if I can get to any more at that there's there's all of these and yet I'm not able to oh I'm messing it right up JT yeah stop right now he said <laughs> so anyways let me leave you with this I would like to leave you with um, Matthew 7 today so we're facing an awful lot of things but God is on the throne and these unprecedented times will be met with an unprecedented encounter and strength from the Lord. He is going to give us peace that passes understanding. He is going to whisper in our ear how to navigate these difficult times. He's going to give you plans. You know, Proverbs says that a man, you know, takes his steps, but it is God who orders the steps. So we kind of haphazardly go through life and some of you are better planners than others, right? Some of you, some of y'all, you just like to have all the planning down pat. Like, you know, if you're going on a vacation, you've got your itinerary and you know how to make it happen. And others of you, you're just like, oh yeah, we'll just play it by ear. It'll be super fun, you know? Well, in whatever way you order your steps, according to your personality and how you do things, you'll, you'll kind of make your, your way. But the word says that when you trust God, he will order your steps. He will order them. He will, if you are praying and asking him, you will not miss what God is telling you to do because you will, you will pay attention and you will hear from him and you will obey. Um, now, once in a while, like my dear precious uh, friend said this morning, that you know he felt that he had missed that once in a while we do we kind of you know oh, I missed that opportunity the the thing I love about God is it's never about that one time it's always about his grace his mercy and his creation of okay sometimes you got to take a little detour to get back on on track but he does it and he walks you through it so I want to talk to you about the true and false prophets that are in Matthew 7 it says watch out for false prophets 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs or from thistles? No. You know a thorn bush when you see one because it's got sharp stuff on it, right? You'll recognize the wolves because they've got sharp teeth and eventually it shows. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. True and false disciples, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Isn't that powerful? What is God's will? Well, it's walking in righteousness. It's abandoning sin. Let me assure you something. When you leave an open door for the enemy to get a foothold and a wedge into your life, he will take full advantage of you and it will turn out badly. So do not give the enemy any occasion or any opportunity to draw you into sin. The, the word of God says to put aside that sin which easily besets you. Do you have one of those? At this hour, at this epic hour, put that aside. Follow God. Do the will of the Father so that he will be with you and guide you through this unprecedented time. I've loved being here with you. Thank you for being here with me. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.